a monster i i seriously have my good wait this is amazing it's addicting to wear it moments before recording corinne goes let me get into position i was like what do you mean like aren't you set up and she is wearing the veil i got her i love this veil it's so great look at it it's a beautiful amazon it's so beautiful for being just a a wee amazon purchase but it's a beautiful black stunning And I'm just going to wear it today because Sabrina. Oh, wait. Okay, um, This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. I'm Sabrina. Hello. What were you going to say? Yeah, let's get that out of the way. Um, I'm still just blown away by what you did for me for The Bachelorette. Like I was up last night and this morning just thinking about it. I feel like I... I'm like going to cry. Like, I just appreciate it so much. And you did so much. Like, I'm actually going to cry. You just put together. Oh, my God. What the (laughs) fuck? You're going to make me cry. So you've just put so much thought into it. I just showed up and I don't know what I was expecting. But it was just like, sorry. It was just like so beautiful. And I just felt so loved. And I was just like really shocked by all of it. And I just love you. And I appreciate you. And thank you for doing that for me. Of course. The, oh, I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad you liked it. I did. I loved it. Just like all the wow. images and like you working with Macy to put everything together. I was just like, I feel like I was being really <laughs> quiet towards the end because I was just like, holy shit. Like, that was really nice. That was so thoughtful. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, Good thing I like only put on mascara and now I'm crying and it's going to just drip down my whole face. Well, good thing you <laughs> you could put your veil <laughs> over your face. I'll use my sash to. to wipe away my tears. <laughs> you have so many props today. My gosh. Okay. For people who don't know what we're talking about, every month on Patreon, we do a live stream for Only Phantoms and they're all different themes. So we've baked, we've done... Like check in on your feelings. We've done a wine and paint night. <laughs> we do a lot of different things. We do so many things, but for May, because Corinne is getting married, I decided to throw a bouchlorette for her. It was so fun. <laughs> and we made I made a couple games and our designer and listener, Macy, who's helped us with so many designs for our merch and stuff, helped me put together this game called Guess the Butt. And it was like the butts of all these cryptids and stuff. And uh, (laughs) this is your secret talent is I think (laughs) truly curating bachelorette activities and games for the spooky realm because the guest the butt was so good. You will put it on Instagram, but it was like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil everybody. I'll I'll just choose the obvious butts like Brian's butt was there, Bigfoot's butt, an alien butt. And there were some others that included different like spirits and cryptids and haunted artifacts. And it was just so silly. And I loved it so much. (laughs) I'm so glad you liked it. And I'm printing, I'm printing that shit out. I'm putting it on my wall. Oh yeah. I loved it. I was saying to Macy, 
we should maybe make it merch. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> Brian's butt. <laughs> We're going to have to change out Brian's name to just human. It, we'll say to human. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, okay. Those- I could really use your veil because yeah, I closed okay? my trunk. I closed my trunk on my face. Is that what happened? Yeah. How did that, Look at, how, it how did it? I guess blood it's warning. It's like a fresh wound. Is it? It really is. Actively? It's a gash. Um, no, that's just, that's just it. Can you, I can't tell if it's like. It's just so raw. Yeah. I'm raw. Oh my gosh. Sorry. No, it's my fault. I know. I was about to ask you about it, but then I was like, do you want attention drawn to it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure your feelings on the gash on your nose. It's best to draw attention to it so that people aren't like, what is that on her face? Is that a giant zit? It could be, but it's not. Jeez. That, I mean, you have a sharp, a sharp uh, car door. Well, it was the trunk. How did it, how did it happen if it's like, if it didn't get the rest of you, but just that one upper piece of the bridge of your nose? It was the trunk. And so I closed it. I was closing the trunk and it hit right there. Oh, and then you reacted and kind of pulled back, saved the rest of your nose a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I can do a reenactment for everyone and we can put it in here. Great. (laughs) Just a slow-mo. Like I would love to, I would love to see that. Go, go relive your accident outside for the sake of me and everyone else. <laughs> I, I did have to spend some time thinking, am I a klutz? Well, not ordinarily. You were about to just, just say yes. <laughs> you were, I was. You were about to be like, yes. It was a yes <laughs> and moment. It wasn't an authentic <laughs> yes. It was more of like a, yeah, like let's keep rolling with this. Where, where are we going? <laughs> but no, I don't think you're a klutz at all. I think there's just moments that things happen and also when we're recording this we're coming off of the full moon and virgos had it rough you're right so i think there's just things in the air and the vibrations are just knocking you off balance a little bit okay i'm gonna take my sweatshirt off real quick and then i want to i want you to tell me well everyone tell me (laughs) i feel like you're telling me again about the tiktok you sent me and how accurate it was Oh, well, I'm going to have to refer back to the TikTok because I don't remember anything. Okay. Let me find it. Okay. Also, I'm so sorry to everyone who is watching this and watching me wipe my nose with my fingers, but it's just, I started off crying. It's allergy season. I'm probably just going to keep doing it throughout the whole thing. And I ran out of toilet paper and tissues right before this and paper towels. So I have no other option. Did you just say you ran out of your paper towels, toilet paper, and tissues? Mm Mm-hmm. At the same time. We need to get you to Costco. I know. I'm just waiting for us to finish recording and then I'm going to scurry down <laughs> to CVS. Actually, my huge Tide laundry bottle, yesterday I heard a giant crash and I was like, what's going on? And the laundry bottle had fallen, the cap had broken, and the detergent went everywhere. So that is why I'm out of everything because I had to use it to sop everything up and my floors now are super sleek and slippery right in that one spot. Okay. So I found this TikTok. It was posted by Evan Nathaniel Grimm. And this person went through the May 2023 forecast for astrology signs. And Virgo was included in the clip that I sent Sabrina. And it was all about... Yours was also spot on. Mine was also... Yeah, there were parts of it that were pretty accurate. But it, there's specific signs that would have a really hard time with different things happening. Yeah. 
this past weekend, and basically with the full moon and throughout the month, different things happening. Right. And I like didn't think about it. They speak about potentially going back to school and doing stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I don't really know if that part applies to me. And then yesterday I was in a class and I was like, oh my gosh, it started It started this past weekend. Leia's screaming. I don't know if people can hear it, but I didn't put it together. I, I'm signed up for a script writing bootcamp thing just to help keep me accountable and get writing done by a deadline. And it's kind of like going back to school. Yeah. Yeah. It is so freaky how how accurate these things are. And that's one of the things yeah. where I was like, why does anyone not believe in some of this stuff? Because it's just, I feel like there's, it's one thing to be like, oh, the the horoscopes posted on like Cosmo.com or something aren't always accurate. But when people get really into birth charts and astrology and astrocartography and stuff like that, it is really mind boggling just how specific it will be to what you're experiencing. Like mine was even about like transitions within the home and I'm getting married this month. So it was like yeah, a new version of your home. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. because And we literally you just bought a house. And bought a house. So it was like, that's freaky that that's specific to this one month that I'm experiencing all these things. I will admit I was, I spent a lot of my time being skeptical about horoscopes and stuff. And I think it was because my mom would read hers off of apps and stuff, like the the typical horoscopes, not really the in-depth astrology type of stuff. And I've always been dubious just of, okay, how many Virgos are there? Millions. Like we, there's so many of us within the Virgo horoscope. How is it possible that all of us are aligned and the same going through the same things. But yeah, I think when you look at your birth chart and since doing this podcast, I've learned a lot about birth charts and all of that, that part I really believe in because yes, maybe all encompassing, there's something about Virgos, but when you go to specific nitty gritty, specifically you based on your birth chart, that stuff I very much believe. Yeah, me too. And it's just I think the the more I get older and experience certain things, I think there's also a certain chaos with being younger where like your life is unpredictable and so things don't always check out. And I think things happen a little bit more slowly and there's a little bit more intention as you get older because you're not just like running amok as much. And so I think that I've found that it feels more real to me now. I want to bring up something else. I, I'm going to cover it in, in Paranormal News more in depth, which oh. is the episode that we do on Patreon bi-monthly. But did you see all the stuff that is coming out from the coronation in the UK where Princess Diana is her reflection was seen moving <gasps> on a car as people are getting into a car. You can see her reflection like truly looks like her in the car window, like as if she was shuffling into the car. And her voice is heard twice on the prompter, like as people are, as the the hosts are discussing the coronation and talking all about the coronation of King Charles, you can hear Princess Diana's voice. How did I miss this? Oh my gosh, I'm going to read this all. I'm going to listen to it. Wait, yeah. I almost don't want you yes. to tell me what she says so I can listen. Or or does it say on all the articles? Well, that's the thing. It's it's basically like an EVP. So a lot of people are hearing different things. So some people think okay. that she said they can't be together. Other people 
here they all did it together. There's just different <gasps> versions. Oh, <laughs> of it. that is wild. And then there's there, some people are hearing. I think there's. I'll have to listen back, but I think there's two separate clips where you hear her coming through. And then there's another one that sounds like the the death can't be reversed or something like that. So it's so well, it freaky. And I don't know if the the prompter heard the voice because it does kind of sound like the person who's speaking is kind of like uh, uh, like taken aback by like what was that noise oh or if it was completely coming through and they just had no clue but it's there's a lot coming out now she's back i have multiple thoughts about this one i have chills and i really really want to listen curious what i hear but it also makes me really sad because that means she's still here. She's still lingering. She hasn't been reincarnated. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but at the same time, I'm kind of happy that she's still here because I just feel like there's a lot that happens within the royal family and I don't really follow it very closely. But I think that there's probably a need for someone like her to be watching over her descendants. Yeah. With all the drama. and Have you watched The Crown? No. I have not. Okay. The most recent season has, it's like a lot about Princess Diana and it just makes me so sad. It is so sad. Can I have, I have something that's not sad. I have. <laughs> okay. Let's hear it. Okay. I've talked about this, I think on our Patreon or on Campfire Stories, but there is this company called Inkbox. And I have mm, been talking mm-hmm. a lot recently about getting more tattoos, but I don't know what I want and I really want a ghost tattoo. So Inkbox has these temporary-ish tattoos. They last one to two months. I put some on. Let's see. I have a UFO. It's so cute. When you were showing me them, I think because you were holding them up close to the... Oh, ghost. Wait, that's actually a really thin line. I like that a lot. I know. And then this one says, bite me. I love the bite me. Right above your elbow. That's so good. Okay. 100% you need to get the bite me because that one's I feel like it's very... Me? Yeah. Yeah, because I love vampires. Yeah. And also, it just feels like your motto when you were younger, when when you would just say, leave me alone. Like, it just feels... It just feels like it's in the same vein. So it feels very you. I should get an LMA somewhere. LMA, yeah. Which I've realized is kind of... A lot of the work... Going back to something sad. A lot of the work I've been doing in therapy... So, childhood drama. (laughs) Yeah, that nickname is actually kind of traumatic. Like the fact that when I had such extreme emotions, I was being made fun of that I had to yell, leave me alone. Yeah. And my family then mocked me and called me LMA. Right. Because you didn't have, there was no safe place for you to actually express your emotions. So you had to suppress them and prioritize everybody else's reality over your own. And then I went and played Guitar Hero. That's where I could have my emotions. (laughs) Just you and Janice Joplin just rocking out, using that, (laughs) mastering that pinky button to get that blue, the pinky to get the blue button. That one that That you can never stretch. Dexterity, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, I have such tiny fingers and large palms. See, look at the difference of our hands. Why does mine look so weird? Because you can spread your fingers. You're meant to be a piano player, and I'm meant to... I don't know, make mud pies in the garden. <laughs> like a crochet. <laughs> I, I don't know. These are these are little hamburger helper gloves. Itty bitty hands. On here. <laughs> yeah. 
You do have a ghost story to tell everyone. I do. I do, I do, I do. And are truly so obsessed with your veil. Isn't it great? I say, isn't it like I bought it for myself? (laughs) You bought this for me. I'm like, I know. It's so special. (laughs) I do love it. Okay. I'm keeping it on the whole time. I don't know if you thought I was just going to wear it in the beginning. No. But the veil's here. I... I may have temporarily or like momentarily thought that, but now that we are 15 minutes into the podcast, I'm certain you are keeping it on. I believe that. I shoved that comb in my hair and it's not coming out. I could see you sleeping in that. Oh, oh, I'm going to cross my arms like this and sleep with a veil over my face tonight. I'll let you know Brian, how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll sleep better. Maybe that will be the trick. I just have to pretend basically be a... Dead bride. Forget melatonin. Mm-mm. No, just be your spookiest self and that will soothe you. Yeah. Hell yeah. I support it. So we're probably maybe a year and a half to two years late on this suggestion. But Megan on Patreon had suggested that we look into yokai. And I'm so sorry if I butcher these pronunciations. I listened to a bunch of them. I read the phonetic spelling. But I'm not Japanese nor have I ever been to Japan. So there's likely some moments where I'm going to mispronounce. But okay, feel free to correct me in the comments, which will be too late. So. <laughs> okay. So we're heading over to Asia to look into yokai, which, okay, I mean, I always say the Philippines and Japan, those are two of the spookiest places in Asia. My mom was also born in Japan. Oh, in Asia. Mexico and Philippines are my two. But I feel like in, well, because in Japan, isn't that where, or is it the Philippines? Never mind. I'm getting off track. Well, Japan has like the best horror movies. Japan has the best horror movies. They have haunted bases. I think we covered one of the Air Force bases. Okinawa. Yeah. And then is it there that I wasn't sure if I was misremembering and maybe it's the Philippines where people will still, the spirits of the people who died in the tsunami will still come back and try to get into cars. Was that there or somewhere oh, else? Oh, it. I, I recently saw a video. I don't know if it's the tsunami people, but people, victims. That's what I meant to say. Gosh, Sabrina. I'm going to blame my stupidness on the fact that I bumped my nose and potentially that could cause a concussion. You're concussed. I could be. But I saw a video recently about how in Japan, cab drivers will, or drivers in general, it's like known to pull over and give ghosts ride. Like it's supposed to be respectful that you you give ghosts rides to where they need to go. Yeah. And so I think some of them are attributed to being victims of the tsunami because it's really sad, but it's basically like they don't quite understand what happened and they're living in these loops of trying to get back home, which is horribly sad. Yeah. Japan plus ghost stories is we're we're bound for a spooky ride here. And that is what we're about to get because upon first Google search, when I typed in yokai, I realized that it isn't one particular haunting, but many because yokai means strange apparition. So similar to how we say Hmm. ghosts or we say cryptids or monsters, yokai is that. It's basically this catch-all for all the creepy and ghoulish. So it quite literally is anything supernatural. It's a class of supernatural entities and spirits within Japanese folklore. 
So back in the day, many, many centuries ago, they would tell all of these stories and then they would draw paintings of them. And over time, as we get to more recent history, those stories have kind of evolved from these stories that were believed to be true, maybe, or just as folklore to stories that maybe are believed to be true and less folklore and more like monster cryptid-esque. Like we're making cartoons and caricatures of these beasts that people see and creating Reddit posts and stuff like that. So these creatures have transcended time for probably some of them thousands of years. So I'm pretty sure a listener of ours, because I was looking for an email for this story and it wasn't fully clear. So I didn't end up picking this one, but I think one of our listeners sent us a photo of a yokai because their partner was having nightmares and drew what they had seen in the nightmare and it looked like a yokai. But I didn't know, I didn't want to look up photos of yokai or anything yet because I wanted to hear about it and be surprised. It would be impossible for you to because there's hundreds and hundreds. It would basically be like telling you I'm covering cryptids and you would search cryptids. You would probably... which one? Okay. Which one? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So some are benevolent, some are mischievous, and some's only job basically in life is to suck the joy from you, torture you, and kill you. So (laughs) I'm going to tell you about a few of them. (laughs) Some nicer than others. I have a a mixed bag here. But first, let's understand that yokai come in many shapes and sizes. Some can look like an ordinary object. So they basically, when we talk about haunted artifacts, these, well, let me back up. One of the common traits of yokai is their ability to shape shift. And so Mm. many of them have traits of, of looking like an animal, looking like a human, and some of them even look like inanimate objects. Interesting. Their abilities vary. So of course, shape shifting is something that a lot of them seem to have as a trait, but there's also traits like being able to predict the future, which is a really wonderful experience. And I didn't cover any of those yokai, but a lot of the stories just involved these like tortoise-like creatures coming out of the sea or these these little troll-like creatures coming out of a bush and exclaiming some sort of prophecy, which reminded me so much of the aerial school phenomenon. So I was kind of oh. thinking, perhaps these aren't just yokai cryptids, but maybe they're aliens. <laughs> well, <laughs> especially if, sort this, of prophecy. if they come in so many different shapes and sizes, like how can you distinguish the yokai from other spirits or other types of cryptids? Yes. Like I feel like there's a thin line between what is a yokai and what is not. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it it has evolved a lot over recent history as well in Japan. Like it, it used to refer to anything unexplainable. So basically, if you heard a bump in the night, if you woke up every night to a knock at 3 a.m., that was yokai. But more recently, like I was saying, it has kind of evolved. It's niched down to be a little bit more specific or the word is used more specifically to describe these, what what we might call like monsters, you know, these creatures of the night. Gotcha. It's me. Many of them <laughs> bite me. 
<laughs> Many of them have razor sharp teeth. The entities are so ugly and grotesque that you'd hardly believe they're of this world. And some are believed to be deities, though the line is kind of fuzzy there because many of the stories of these deities, these yokai that are believed to be god-like, are sometimes the most evil, which isn't that how it goes in, in so many of the stories. And also like the idea of fallen angels or even, what was the show? It was this, oh, Midnight Mass kind of had that vibe. It's like believing that these are angels, but are they? Okay, so for the yokai, many prefer to haunt regionally, which makes it a little bit easier because there are just so many of them. So if you're thinking like, oh, I need to learn what's here and prepare for an encounter with them, Japan's not all that big. It would be pretty daunting. It is daunting. There's, there's, it's a death sentence. (laughs) Basically, if you, if they were everywhere, that would be horrible. But luckily, or unluckily, you may encounter only one at a time. Maybe. I think that's lucky. That is lucky. But encountering any at all might not be lucky. Right. Okay. So we'll see. But for this episode, I have plucked out four yokai to tell you about. All of these entities dwell within the sea, close to ocean water, seawater, rivers, streams, pools, whatever. If there's water there. Okay. Here's... Here's a theory, and I know I haven't heard everything yet, but you know how I love the ocean and how we have not explored or we don't even understand the ocean at all. What if these Mm -hmm. aren't cryptids at all? What if these are ocean creatures that we just don't have the science and understanding of yet? Some of them might be, but some of them I think are a little too bizarre (laughs) to be of this world. All right. Come back to me in that theory at the end. (laughs) Okay. So I focused it on water because I'm like, okay, summer's coming. Japan's in the Northern Hemisphere. If everyone's feeling real lucky to be going to the beach and the pools and whatnot around, right around the corner, maybe I should also warn people to always let someone know where you're going. Try not to go places alone, especially if it's water or if you're entering water, because that that can be dangerous. You need to still enjoy your life, but you also have to consider some of the risks that are out there, like stumbling upon an akai, which means red stingray, which doesn't really sound that strange, right? Just red stingray. I'm like, okay, we we see those in the water. But what if I tell you that akai reaches 10 to 12 kilometers in length? which is six to seven miles long for those of of us that are American. What? So these things are so giant. Yeah, they're in the depths of the sea. They're so far out in the ocean. Like you don't have to worry about renting a boat and just putzing around for the day. That thing is not going to be near you. But if you're traversing deep, deep, or if you go many, many miles out with on your fishing boat, you may encounter one of these things. Six to seven miles. Yes. Yes. They're so huge that they're often mistaken as being islands. And if a ship has the misfortune of being anywhere in the radius of an Akai as it surfaces, they better pray because the waves will take down the boat because this thing is so big. But let's say a boat is on top of one, you know, like this thing is so long. So if you're just cruising along and you happen to be within a seven mile (laughs) path of this thing being under you and it surfaces, generally you'll be okay for a moment because you'll be riding on its back. 
But when it plunges back down, the suction of the water pulls everyone to the depths of the ocean and this they drown. This is wild. Yes. Pacific Ocean. It's a scary, scary place. Wow. The ocean is so vast, as we know. It's the majority of the planet. So encounters yep. with Akai are luckily quite rare. At least the ones that people live to tell the tale. Dun, dun, dun. But... An encounter with this beast was first published in 1841, and legend says that there was a ship departing from Awa, which had been blown off course during a typhoon. And luckily, everyone on board was fine. They managed to survive this storm, but they were beaten down. Their spirits were beaten down a bit. And then the boat was not in great shape and totally needed a few repairs. So they needed to find a resting place where they could post up, patch all of the things that they needed to on the boat so that they could return safely home. In the distance, they happen to spot an island. How lucky. So they make their way over to the island. They hop off their boat and they begin exploring this island. And they're like, what an odd island. There's no one anywhere. The vegetation is super weird. Like everything is wet and slimy and there's algae everywhere. And these are plants we've never seen before. And the ground is oddly shaped as well. That's what I was going to ask. Because there's no probably no trees, nothing. It's just like... Very, a very flat, barren type of island. Yes. And then if you think of the back, like I was picturing it as like the back of a tortoise that's kind of had the misfortune of having coral and barnacles and different things attached to it. Right. I assumed, especially because these things are so large, that they're probably moving pretty slow. And so there is likely a lot of wildlife, sea life that is attached itself to this creature, this red stingray. I'm imagining like dead fish, like dead dead animals, especially if it's surfaced. Yeah, right? Because they're fish out of water. Well, so, but maybe not because Oof. the ground was also oddly shaped. You know, they're thinking it's an island right now. We know that it's it's a stingray, but it's all puckered. The ground is bumpy. And so there's these cracks and there's these crevices and where where the bumps kind of collide into a little valley there's small pools that have collected. And in these small pools of water, there's an array of fish and it's all saltwater fish. So these people, these sailors, they don't know and they're so thirsty and they're wandering around the island for freshwater anywhere and they can't find anything. It's all saline. It's all ocean water. Eep! After many hours on this island and a few ship repairs, they hop back in their boat and they begin to sail away. Looking back at the island where they had just come from, the island starts to sink down. It goes lower and lower and lower until no mass was visible above the water's surface. They had not been on an island at all. They had been on the back of an akai. And miraculously, this thing remained gently on the surface the entire time they were on it and wandering around and exploring and looking for water. And if they'd stayed just a few more minutes, these sailors and their ship likely would have drowned in the middle of the ocean from the suction of this thing descending into the depths. Wait, okay. So when did it start to descend? When they were already on their boat and were heading off? Yeah, sorry. So they'd done their repairs. They got back on their boat and then they started to journey away. And then they saw in the distance it submerged. They were in the safe zone. Yes. Whoa. And they were also, remember, they weren't like fully in the middle of this giant 
creature, they were right on the edge. So by the time they got in their right. boat, they were probably, I would assume in the story, a couple miles away. So they were unaffected by this thing going into the I still water, can't get so over the fact that it's seven, six to seven miles. I know. Yeah, 10 to 12 kilometers. I also have some and pictures, is that so I'm going to each... text them to you. Okay, is that each way? Like, is it length and width? I mean, that's a good question. I don't... Okay, well, you have photos. No. Yeah, let me text you the photo of this thing. And we'll put it in the YouTube video, too. It's a giant stingray. And it really does look like an island. Yeah. It's bulbous and it's confusing. I guess I should clarify it's it's not a real photo. It's a drawing, a rendering. It's a... Yes. And if people are watching the YouTube, they they will see that. They will see. Yes. They will see. Okay. Our next yokai is a master of disguise. It's a shape-shifting expert with many tricks up its sleeve. Despite the ability to take on many appearances, many people find this creature in its original form, which it appears as a large raccoon-like dog. And this is Tanuki. Tanuki has a special body part as well. Tanuki has magical testicles. I I could tell that it was going to be something sexual based on the way that you said it. <laughs> this is why you were like, I think maybe these animals are just really here undiscovered. I'm like, I'm not so sure I believe in Tanuki so much as I believe in some of the other ones. Okay, magical testicles. What do these testicles do? Okay, so these testes, they themselves can shapeshift and adapt to what's needed. So if it's raining, the testes will be used as an umbrella. If there's an enemy approaching, the testes can turn into any weapon that you need. And maybe if you're bored, you can use your testicles as a pair of drums. Okay, well, here's my question. If they're masters of disguise and can morph into anything, who's to say that they are actually testicles to begin with? I think because of where they are and their appearance, they remind us of all the other testicles we've ever seen. But I mean, couldn't they, couldn't this entity keep them, make them look like testicles because they want them to look like testicles, not because they are? That's true. That's true. We assume that it's big, bald, raccoon dog-like form is its natural state, but perhaps that's just what it's choosing to present it as most frequently. We don't know. Big, bald, raccoon dog. Yep. It's a good rep. (laughs) I know. This thing is, it's packing. And one of the things (laughs) that these magical testicles can do is stretch out long and flat to hide and shield the tanuki, which is, I think, a really great use. And so if they're in the water, which they they dwell by the water, people often see them by the water in rivers and oceans. And if there's someone coming to approach them and they're scared, they will use their testicles and stretch them out far and long to create this basically float above the river as the tanuki huddle safely beneath. And so now I'm going to present a photo to you again. This is incredible. All of these photos are drawings, by the way, because uh, (laughs) no one's photographed one. I would love to see this in real life. I'm imagining that this can make its 
magical testes testicles into like a parachute and it's oh, just loading. they can do anything it wants wow okay so sabrina i just sent you a photo it's also in our youtube and this picture is from the museum of fine arts and it depicts tanuki using a pair of testicles to fish it looks oh my gosh you know what if it was the other way around if the water wasn't being collected in it it would be one of those jimboree little parachutes where everyone's holding it and oh it would yes everyone goes yes oh my gosh bringing me back to elementary school where we all run underneath it hey i mean the testicles are used for entertainment too so i'm sure some of the younger jump rope younger tanuki probably do that as well this seems fun it does it seems so useful i wouldn't mind being a tanuki this does yeah, seem like neither. a good time. I would like to have a pair of magical testicles. <laughs> me too. <laughs> All right. Now, despite some of the giggling that may have occurred, which we are giggling, so it's okay if you are too, because it does feel a little bit absurd. The Tanuki are actually quite popular in Japan. Seeing one is said to bring you good luck. So this is a really good yokai to, to encounter. Many business owners will keep statues of Tanuki at their doorfront to attract good fortune and bring in wealth to their business. So if you're in Japan, you might find a statue of a raccoon-like animal with larger testicles at the entrance of some of the businesses around, which I really want to see. I love that. All right, these next two yokais, they are no laughing matter, okay? So we have to get serious because they are a little bit scarier and a little bit sad. Okay, before we get to scary and sad, this reminds me of, um, I mean, it's a little bit different, but when I was in Thailand, there was on one of the beaches there, and this is kind of a all throughout Thailand, but there was one beach where there was this little cave and there were tons and tons and tons of sculptures of penises and Mm, dildos mm -hmm. and things left behind because it was like an offering to a deity or, you know, some some type of spirit that they believed in or higher power that they believed in. And it was supposed to help with like infertility or fertility Uh, or I don't, I don't know specifically, but it was a beach of penises. It was penis beach. Well, I remember... I can't remember exactly where it was, but we covered something. It was somewhere in Asia. It might've been Japan or the Philippines (laughs) where they were using big red phallic sculptures to ward off and banish evil from their homes as well. So yeah, there's something magical about reproduction. And I think that that is carried through all the cryptids and, and ghosts as well. Yeah. Okay. So for this next yokai, this is called Enko. It lives on rivers and it lives on shorelines. It's the size of a three-year-old child. It's body covered with thick fur that is normally quite slick and slimy from it living in the water. Their Mm -hmm. faces are bright red and at the top of their heads, there's a small depression where no hair grows. So basically they look like monkeys. They look like slimy, hairy monkeys with a big red face and kind of a bald spot, (laughs) essentially. I love that. Their limbs are are magical though. So I I was picturing Elastigirl the whole time from The Incredibles. <laughs> they can stretch their limbs so, so long. But if they stretch one of their limbs, the other one shrinks and gets closer. So you can only pull one or reach one at a time. 
But it doesn't impact how far the other one can go? No, I think it just truly... Okay. It, it feels like a pulley system, the way it's described, but I think their arms can stretch even longer than what, gotcha. than okay. what you would measure their wingspan to be. So it's scary because they can reach out to you from... You don't have to get too close to these things, and you really don't want to. Just like with a lot of monkeys, you want to be very cautious and careful. At the end of these extremely long arms is a handful of sharp claws. And now usually they use their sharp claws to slice up their favorite snack, which is cucumbers. What's their... Oh, I was going to ask. Cucumbers. But there's also another delicacy that they don't get to taste all too often, Sabrina. So when the opportunity presents itself, they go wild for it. And that's human liver. (laughs) <laughs> okay liver pate okay yes okay Mm-mm-mm-mm. so the encode they are migratory creatures so you're never quite you never quite know where you're gonna run into them which is what's a little bit scarier you know other creatures have their spots they have their beaches that they're known to be at their watering pools that they're known to be at or you just get so unlucky in the depths of the pacific but the enco they move around So they prefer rivers, but they've also been spotted on the ocean at the, along the seashore. Most of the time they're active at night. So you'll likely not run into them if you're doing a day trip to water. But if you're, let's say, going for a midnight swim, or if you're fishing and you're going out at 3 a.m. to, to get all the fish when they bite in the wee hours of the morning, you may encounter an ENCO. And if you are caught by one of them, you can say goodbye because you are dead. Okay. Well, question. Do they kill you because they want to get to your liver or do they go for the liver and then you die because of that? Both. Both. Yes. Okay. They're they're going for the liver and the way that they do so. Okay. So they're not aggressive. surgical. No, 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 no. They are truly like when you picture people getting attacked by monkeys and they get ripped apart and mauled like that is what happens with these things do they only eat the liver or do they waste no parts no they only eat the liver they if they catch you they will use your bottom area to gain access to your liver and use their claws to rip out your liver And in doing so, basically, they disembowel you. Like, they pull out your entrails and everything. So... Through the butt? Yes. Through the butt, usually. It kind of reminds me of Monongal and how they go through the belly button. Yeah. It's so... It's so freaky. And these things are also part of the Kappa family, which we've talked about before. They're those, like... Kappa Alpha Theta? (laughs) No. No, not not, uh, Greek life. These things are my sisters. Do we talk your sisters? Did we talk about them in Mer- the mermaid episode? Maybe these things are around. Girl. There's different iterations of Kappa. I know. I don't even remember. <laughs> I covered the mermaids. So no. Um, <laughs> anyway, these things are aggressive. They will kill you. Fishermen okay. have reported encountering this creature at night. And one of the things that's scary about this is that it's not just like, oh, you see the this monkey and you can avoid it because they shapeshift just like everything does. And mm-hmm. they transform itself to often appear as a woman or 
often as dolls to try to lure the curious people in. And so there was a report from some fishermen where in one case, the Enco disguised itself as a series of wooden dolls dressed in kimonos. And when the fishermen approached this lineup of dolls, suspiciously just hanging out on the river's edge, they poked one of the dolls and it grinned and it began to giggle. And luckily for them, that's where this ended. So they were just, the Enco was just down to pull some pull some pranks, be a little trickster, an opportunity for them to have a good laugh while these people are permanently traumatized by their encounter. But sometimes people are not as lucky because they attack. This reminds me of, remember I covered it in, par- in, in Paranormal News a while back, but there was a beach in Texas where all those dolls washed up and, and it was like, where did these come from? And it wasn't like a uniform doll. It was every single one was so different looking. Yeah, that's so freaky too, because just now having the knowledge of Enko shapeshifting into this doll, it's making me think of, you know, in Moana where all the coconuts come to life and they're like attacking the ship. It makes me think, what of these dolls that washed ashore in Texas that maybe have been thrown out or collected or placed somewhere if in three years they just all suddenly activate and come back to life mm-hmm. and transform back into the beasts that they are? They have a plan. They do. Your brain is scary, Corinne, for coming up with that. Well, it's inspired by this. I feel like I didn't <laughs> I didn't stray too far from the course that was already presented to me with these <laughs> Enco. They hate cows, they hate horses, <gasps> they hate shiny metal objects, and they also hate intact livers because that means they haven't been able to munch on them. <laughs> so these okay. things are vicious. I already told you how they assault and attack people. Disembowel. Disembowel people. Yes. The safest time to visit the water to avoid the Enco would actually be in the winter because these creatures are said to migrate up the mountains and transform into Shibatan, which is another cryptid-like creature, another yokai, before returning back to the water in the warmer months. So they they migrate in many ways. They spend the warmer months as this one creature down by the water and then go up into the cold, wintry, snowy mountains in the winter for some other nefarious activities. It's interesting that they go to colder weather in the winter rather than looking for some warmth. Right. You would think it would be the opposite, but no, somehow. And then there's other versions to other variations of their migration pattern, I think, regionally and even in some of the other Asian countries that believe that these things actually spend like three years in one place and then migrate up to the mountain for three years and then back and forth. So, I mean, the point is they're unpredictable and they're scary. Yeah. All of these are unpredictable. They are. There's some pretty graphic accounts of what these things are said to do to people. I'm not going to read up here. So if you want to faint by reading these things yourself, go for it. <laughs> but today we are going to be somewhat protected. And now it's time for me to show you a picture of this thing. <gasps> More pictures. More pictures. I got pictures of everything. I like visual aids. And these ones are fun because they're all painting. Some of them were done in scrolls. Some of them more modern times for different like magazines oh. and publications. So the bald spot is kind of green. Well, in the, uh, this is a, their faces are said to be red. So this photo showing it all being green is just a, this artist's okay. depiction of it. 
Gotcha. I kind of think it's really cute. It looks like an orangutan. Like this would be a minus the liver eating and cow hating. Mm-hmm. I kind of want it as a pet. Whoa. No, 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 no. This might be my spirit animal. This is disturbing. <laughs> this thing is so scary. You chose the scariest one to feel connected to. <laughs> it's so cute. I don't know. Ignore it. I should have picked another drawing. I should have picked something scarier. <laughs> There's other. It's This one by far is the cutest drawing of it. It's really ugly. Like it's it's almost more like amphibian mixed with monkey looking creature. Okay. Okay. Okay, but lastly, I'm going to tell you about this other yokai that might feel a little bit more familiar to us because we've heard different iterations of essentially this story in different locations and different cultures. It's a lady of white and sorts, and it is a woman who lost her life that they call Kosodate Yurai, which I know I butchered that so much. I'm so sorry. But K-O-S-O-D-A-T-E-Y-U-R-E-A. I mean, E-I. <laughs> I can't even E-I-E-I-O. spell it. How can I say it if I can't spell it? <laughs> so in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm only going to tell you things that happen at rivers and lakes and ponds and pools and oceans. And I lied because this spirit can actually go <laughs> anywhere. So maybe it's at the water's edge. But I wanted to end on this one because I thought this story was really cool. She's not to be feared. In fact, if you encounter her, you should listen to her because if you listen to her, you may just save a life. Kosodeiturai are spirits of women who have died during childbirth or recently thereafter. Oh. And because of their strong maternal pull towards their child, their spirit has become earthbound for a temporary amount of time and they remain on earth watching over their child and doing whatever they can to care for and protect their baby from beyond the grave. Oh, I love that. I know. To my knowledge, they're not here for the entire duration of the child's life, but rather are here when the circumstances of their death leave their child in a dangerous situation. So basically the baby's abandoned or alone in some shape or form. Usually these women appear in clothing that they were buried in, but sometimes they wear just whatever they were would ordinarily wear, like kind of go through their, their life. And just as they reflect on who they were, in their lives through their clothing and through their appearance, their behavior also does. So these women often visit the same places that they used to in life over and over again, the same shops or the same general areas where they could buy like clothing or food, a favorite restaurant that they used to go to. Uh, But sometimes Mm. they also find themselves on the side of the road at night looking for a ride, looking for people to help them. Their priority, their only priority is to care for their child and to get the attention that they need to be able to care for their child. That's really, really sweet. It's so sweet. Yes. This is why you don't have to fear them. That's why I wanted to end on, on these yeah. spirits because even though it's tragic that they died and they have a young child left behind, there's something really special about having that protection and having that connection with your your baby or your parent and just having all of this effort exerted on the other side to make sure this child's okay. Yeah. Part of caring for their child is showing them how much they love them and think of them by gifting them candy and other little items. These items are never stolen. They're never just conjuring them up out of thin air. 
these women, despite being dead and it's it being in spirit form, they actually have to shop for these items just as you and I would have to shop. So oh. they appear oh. in stores. They attempt to purchase the goods, only they have no money. So they use whatever they have on them as sort of like a barter, a trade. And they'll give them their own clothing, any loose items that they might have in their pockets, just anything. So Hmm. the oddity of encountering a woman like this who looks really disheveled and, and skin is so, so pale and they're just behaving odd and they have nothing on them. It's meant to get your attention, especially if you're someone who's working at the shop and, and have you thinking, why is this desperate woman coming to me? What do they really need? And if you think about their needs, this is when you might save a life because Hmm. they seek out people in an attempt to lead them back to their baby. So their baby, I said, is abandoned, right? So Mm -hmm. something happened where no one knows that the mother is dead and that there's a baby that needs to be cared for. So the mother, after their death, they try to find someone and lead them back to the home where the baby has been to prevent their baby from starving, to give them a life. Oh, wait. So no one knows the baby's alone? Mm -mm, No. This is, to my understanding, who these people, who the Kosude Yurai is. So it's only really women whose kids are alone? I think so. I, I could be wrong, but this is kind of the iteration that I was singing a few times over. So once the baby is found, the spirit of this woman can move on. I'm going to tell you a legend of a Kosade Irai encounter. So here, here's the lore. On a dark and stormy night, there was a shopkeeper who was closing his store. His attention was suddenly drawn to the window when he heard a tapping sound. And there behind the glass was this woman who was standing out there outside of his shop in the rain. Her hair was completely drenched, her clothes soaking wet. Worried, the shopkeeper asks if she needs help. And she replies, one candy, please. The store was closed, but he felt so sorry for this woman. So he gave her a piece of candy and she, in exchange, paid him with a single coin, but it wasn't really enough to cover the price of the candy. So he was like, whatever. She left, disappeared into the night. The next night, the same woman returns at the exact same time. And she whispers a little more softly, one candy, please. She paid him one mon again and left. This routine continued for six nights total. On the seventh night, she spoke in a voice barely audible and said, one candy, please. The shopkeeper handed her the candy and she handed him, instead of a coin, she handed him a handful of leaves. He told her, I cannot accept leaves as a payment. And so she said, then take this instead. And she handed over her coat. And the woman had looked just so pitiful night after night. You know, she appeared to him the first night completely soaked. And so he's horrified at the thought of taking this coat off of a woman who could barely afford candy and, well, really couldn't afford candy and who was just standing out in all of the elements. Like, why was he about to strip this woman of maybe the one thing keeping her warm? I also am concerned. Well, okay, I know I already know what she is, who she is, Mm -hmm. but if she's soaking wet every single night, I do. I would be like, 
would you be concerned, especially if it's not raining? Right. I don't know that she appeared soaking wet every night. I just know the first night she definitely was in this story because it was pouring rain, which was an odd and peculiar behavior for her to just be standing out there completely drenched, you know, no umbrella, nothing. She was just fine being there and then had left the shop and returned and just like walked back through all the rain, which was odd. So her behavior just in total was odd. So he insists that he cannot take her coat, but she leaves it and leaves the store. The following day, one of the shopkeeper's friends stops by on his way through town. While catching up, the shopkeeper tells their friend of this strange woman that keeps coming back night after night at the same time, who could barely pay for her candy, paid with her coat the night before. He doesn't know what to make of this. He's kind of concerned about her. What should he do? When he's pointing to the coat and telling his friend the story, the friend becomes pale and exclaimed, that is the coat of my friend's wife. (gasps) And the shopkeeper (gasps) replies, really? Perhaps it was her who came to the store. And the guy says, that is impossible. She died one week ago. She was buried in this coat. They quickly close up the shop, hurry over to the temple where she had been buried, and they tell the head priest. They were scolded by this priest. This priest is like, stop making a mockery of the dead. Don't tell me this. This is absolute ludicrous. Like, get a hold of yourselves. But they would not let up. They were like, no, this woman came. You have to check her grave. Something is wrong. Finally, they're taken to the grave. And the grave appears to be undisturbed, except the priest included, they hear the sound of a crying baby, a newborn baby from below the earth. They could (laughs) not believe it. So they quickly got to work and they dug up the grave only to discover that this woman was indeed dead, her corpse laying neatly in the coffin. And the woman was the same woman who the shopkeeper had seen night after night. He recognized her. Held in her arms and wrapped in cloth was a baby, a baby whom she had given birth to posthumously after being buried. How? Holy. Did they know that she was pregnant when she died? I'm so... I assume so. And maybe there was just no heartbeat and they just assumed that it... That the baby was dead too. Oh my gosh. (gasps) Where was... Was the jacket gone? But so her spirit had wrapped up. It wasn't in the story, but I assume, yes, that she wasn't wearing okay. the jacket. But I mean, her her skeleton had been moved to be cradling this baby near yeah. her corpse and wrapped. So she'd clearly done something. Also in the grave were six mostly eaten pieces of candy, just enough to keep the baby from starving that week. She had paid with the six mon, the coins, traditionally placed with the corpse to pay the guardians of the underworld. So that seventh day... She had no more coins left in her in her coffin. So that's why she brought the leaves. Oh my gosh. Don't you have chills? I'm like, Ugh. listen, if this is even like, I don't even care that if this is not even real and it's just a story because it is a such a incredible story. I know. It really, really is. So the baby was saved. The baby was returned to the family and the woman was buried again. And this time her expression much more serene. She was at peace and the spirit of this woman was never seen again. Wow. Okay. See, I had no idea where this was going when you said that the man recognized the coat and it was of his friend's wife who had passed away a week ago. I was like, okay, well, I thought these spirits only showed up when their baby was unattended to. And how would that happen if everyone knew that she had passed away? Yeah. 
Whoa. Yeah. Isn't this wild? Yes. Because I mean, I'm sure that they appear in different for a variety of reasons. Like this, this story came with her actually being buried in the coffin, but I would imagine there are times where someone just suddenly experiences death and a child is maybe left for a few days without anyone knowing until finally someone alerts someone of there's been crying nonstop for three days or, you know, this, this yokai, this woman goes and finds someone and alerts the right person. Jeez. I know. Wow. And clearly it sounds like, and I'll say specifically with this story, this woman must have known whether it was because of the universe or what, that going to this specific shopkeeper, eventually someone who would recognize that coat would then appear or find. Yeah. Like there, there had to be some type of connectivity. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Even, even if there wasn't like just the fact that she knew to go there to get the candy that she couldn't actually afford with the coin that she had, you know, like that, that shopkeeper would still give her what she needed in that moment while she figured out. What oh to do. my gosh. Oh, all right. Wow. Well, so to wrap this up. Okay. Yokai take many shapes and forms, some good, some evil, which is what makes the paranormal so fun to talk about, right? We never mm-hmm. know whether we'll be touched by an encounter or scared to death, but something about that uncertainty and the unknown is too intriguing to ignore. So we return week after week, waiting for more stories of ghosts and creatures who hide in the dark, waiting for us to find them. So if you want to learn more about Japan's yokai, because there are many, there's a great website called yokai.com, which is where I actually found this last story, which has awesome images the origins of all of these creatures and spirits and entities and just the general stories behind each of these beings. Wow. I'm for sure going to check that out. Oh, I was lost in the website for so in long. In the sauce. There's so many lost in the sauce. And on the on this website, yokai.com, you can also sort by location, like geographical oh. location. You can sort by different characteristics that they have where they spend the most time. So if they're like known to haunt an attic or uh, a business, or if they're by water or in water, like you can search by all of those different things. Wow. 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 Okay. Well, I feel like we could spend hours talking about this and reading all different types of stories. I know. I'm so fascinated. Now I'm curious what other ones there are, because clearly there's so many that we didn't talk about. Yes. And it does make me wonder like, And you kind of opened up with this, but there are so many different types of spirits in our culture and our understanding of the paranormal Mm -hmm. that it is fascinating that in Japan, there's just like a a larger category that encompasses all of them. But I wonder how they differentiate yokai from other types of spirits. Yeah, I know it is. I mean, someone who lives in Japan will have to tell us how. Yeah how they do this because it kind of seems like it's niched down over time, but I don't know if they still just use the term to encompass everything spooky and paranormal. Yeah. I don't know, but it's fascinating. And there's so many creatures, so many creatures. Leia may have, my video may have shaken, shooken, shaken. 
Shaking up skirt, I'm having shookin', a Shaking up. She's when I sneak through your door. Making love for your woman on the bathroom floor. I don't play it like Shaggy. You know it with me. Because the I next time going. I see she'd be like, oh, what Kevin Drew? And girls. I, I, no, I know. I just, <laughs> I, again, am amazed at your ability to recall lyrics and also just like fun facts and the knowledge you have about our favorite things from growing up. It's just uh, amazing. But never when asked. That's the fatal flaw. That's I get to remember a lot of these odd things, but if you asked me to recall them and put me on the spot, blank. Absolutely you have to be set happening up. in my head. I, it just okay. has to come naturally. Well, I'm happy to lead you into things like that all the time. Thanks. But yes, I'm. I set up today where my laptop is on top of Leia's scratching post, so she just came in and was like. <laughs> Hey. Scratching time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do have a listener story, and it's not really yokai specific, but it does have. A, it's a. I picked a story from that has involvement of from Japan. Wonderful. Okay, it's from our listener Jamie. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now, and honestly, it creeps me out, but I love it. I only listen in my car because I am afraid if I listen to it in my home, I'll let the ghosts and spookies in. Or I guess in more, I should say. (laughs) I've been in the military for about 14 years. And aside from the things I've experienced secondhand around my youngest sister, which is a whole other rabbit hole of WTF, (laughs) I really never have had any spooky encounters until I was stationed in Naples, Italy. There was an abandoned barracks building between the security building where I worked and the barracks I was in. On nights, we would sometimes try to brave our way down the main stairs to see what supernatural events we'd experience. I never went in because as I was watching my partner go down the stairs, this huge, overwhelmingly dark shadow enveloped the area he was walking into. Oh my God. I yelled, what the fuck is that? And he jumped and screamed before scrambling back up the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) I started laughing out of nervousness and the fact that the visual of him panicking was slightly funny. So he then thought I was tricking him. I was not. He was about to go back down and I begged him not to. Luckily, we got called to a dog barking, God forbid, and we were temporarily saved. There were a lot of stories from people who had gone down in there, and basically it seems there was a dark entity or several dark things in there. A lot of people laughed it off, but most were obviously shooken up and pretending not to be because they would be made fun of. Of course, (laughs) there were a lot of areas on the bases that were built over graves, according to word of mouth, and there was an actual archaeological site of a prince and princess preserved on one of the bases and several sites built into the Navy exchange and commissionaries where you could see through the floor into caves with pottery and stuff like that. That's so cool. Yeah. Since I was in security, we would be driving or walking around the base at all hours of the day and night. There were a few buildings and areas people claimed to be haunted. And because I'm chicken shit when it comes to ghosts and such, I did not go in those areas at night except for when I had to. One building in particular had lights that would go on and off when you walked by alone. 
except it was abandoned and supposedly did not have power. Super cool. Last thing from Naples when I first moved into my barracks room, I had a male visitor leave after we had some fun. Ooh, scandalous. I know. And I was sleeping with these little floor lights on because the room really creeped me out. I woke up around 3 a.m. and rolled over to see what seemed to be a blurry red-headed male child. He slash it got onto my bed and kind of curled up at the foot of my bed. I can't even explain what it felt like if it was fear, a what the fuck is happening or what. I slowly rolled back over and closed my eyes thinking I was probably dreaming. I ended up falling asleep and suddenly snapped to, jumped out of bed, looked around and ran outside shaking. I slept with my lights on after that for a while and never experienced anything there again. A lot of my coworkers and locals said the base has a lot of child spirits and your favorite, a white lady. Okay, so I think this is now part as a second story from when Jamie was at Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Git or Gitmo, Cuba. They say you gotta Google John Simmons, Windmill Hill, Cuba for background, but basically Towards one end of the base overlooking the ocean, there is a single headstone and grave for a man named John Simmons. It is said he was buried standing up facing towards his homeland, Jamaica. One night we were across the road near this site with two patrol vehicles that were shut off. There were five of us looking for a meteor shower, and this was one of the best spots because there were no lights anywhere, just stars. Well, all of a sudden, my unit went off. The patrol lights, the red and blues and siren just started going off. I ran over to it and the guys I was with started looking around thinking one of the other patrol officers had snuck up on us and was playing a prank. I opened the passenger side door and saw a gallon of water, which had been sitting on the dash, was now on the floorboard. The toggle switch for the lights and siren was all the way flipped to the right, which is not possible by a gallon of water falling on it. Even if the direction of the fall could have sent the water to the control panel, even if the direction of the fall could have sent the water to the control panel. So we have no Mm. explanation of what happened. We jumped in the vehicles and abruptly left. Because of Hurricane Sandy on the leeward side of the island, there were a lot of abandoned homes and buildings. There was an old hospital that didn't have automatic lights and was supposed to be secured after certain hours. Oftentimes we'd drive up to the building and the lights would be on, and as soon as we got within 15 feet, the lights would shut off. And if you were on foot, you would hear something that sounded like a gate slamming shut. Except the gate was always closed. Super creepy. The first time I was there was with a field training officer. After we saw the lights turn off, he shut the vehicle off and killed the lights. I was super creeped out and trying not to show it. We were about to get out of the vehicle when we realized both of our flashlights were dead. They were not dead when we came onto shift. Then we heard a loud gate slamming sound. We both looked at each other and decided, nope, not dealing with this, and left. There were no vehicles in the area and the gate and main door were padlocked shut. Plus, the area was only occupied by our security team. Literally no other humans could have been there without us knowing. The last thing I remember, it wasn't my experience, but a friend was driving up this hill where someone had crashed and died in a fiery wreck. She had no idea this happened, but came to me crying because as she was driving up the hill, she got an overwhelming feeling of dread and fear and felt like she was on fire. 
She was also so freaked out. And after we told her what happened there, she just started crying. Oh my God. Gitmo had a shit ton of grave sites and cemeteries, lots of ghost stories and unexplainable events that occurred, and a lot that you probably could just Google by searching about Camp X-Ray or the Windmill Lighthouse. Then Jamie was in Suda Bay, Greece. Not really any ghosts, but I did have a lot of sleep paralysis. One week before a friend of mine came to visit, I had a really bad sleep paralysis four days in a row. I have it quite often, but have never seen anything during it. One of these four days was so weird. I ended up having a weird dream where I also couldn't speak or move. And all I could think was I needed my grandma. I came out of it screaming, like calling out for God. And to this day, I have no idea why. I vividly remember the dream, but have no explanation of where I was or why I yelled for God. I never had any weird experiences in the house I lived in and I felt comfortable walking around in the dark. When my friend came to visit, she slept in the spare room and told me that she had seen a dark figure standing in the corner of her room. It creeped me out, but I told her she was haunted. There was a lot of weird stuff that happened to her, and she better take her friend back with her. Okay, the last story. This person is so incredibly haunted. Like It doesn't matter where on the globe they are, they still experience things. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I should clarify that this doesn't take place in Japan, but there is something about the World War II Japanese soldiers, if that helps. (laughs) Great. Let's hear it. Okay. So this last one is where Jamie is currently in Guam. Currently, I live in Leo Palace in Jana, Guam. The area was built over and near to what is known as the Managon Trail and Managon Concentration Camps. It's super fucked. Lots of deaths. And they were not Mm -hmm. allowed to provide proper burials to the deceased. I've had pedicurists, my tattoo artists, and locals tell me to not walk around after dark where I live. They've also told me not to look in the rearview mirror after 2 a.m. because I will see World War II Japanese soldiers with no heads. (gasps) Oh, how devastating. I know. Once in a while, I've had odd things happen around my condo. But we also have earthquakes quite often. So if I see something out of place or on the floor, I chalk it up to earthquakes. Except for when my sister came to visit. For background, I broke both of my femurs in a skydiving accident in April of this year. Oh, that's so scary. So I have a couple of canes that I set up in a corner. It's the same place every day. I also have a couple of get better cards sitting on a bookshelf that have not moved even during one or more of our earthquakes. On two different occasions while my sister and I were sitting in the living room, weird things have happened. One night, one of my canes just fell. There's literally no reason it should have or could have without being moved by force. Another night, one of the cards just toppled off the bookshelf onto the floor, but in a very quick and very weird way. We both sat there in silence each time and I told her, you're haunted. (laughs) then the night before she left i woke up and looked to my left and saw a weird white figure standing over my bed i wish i could explain it better but i know it was a female and i can picture it but can't explain specifically how she was dressed but it was in like religious attire even Mm -hmm. the face area was covered it was like a catholic priest type robes but different after i saw her i felt like i had been drugged and fell asleep very quickly 
After my sister left, I have not experienced anything else. That's all I can remember for now. If you're interested in the tales of my youngest sister, Trinity, please let me know. They are wild. Yes, My name is Jamie. Looking forward to listening to you two more. Keep up the awesome work. And I'll see you on the other side. Jamie, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, wait, just starting with the very last experience. It's so weird to feel kind of like drugged and lulled to sleep so quickly after. That makes well, it's, yeah. It sounds like even with the little boy experience that happened too, but like Jamie drifted to sleep and then was like, oh, holy, holy shit, actually, let me process what I just experienced. Right. Well, that's that was going to be one of the things that I was wondering. Like, is it is it Jamie's body being like, oh my God, what just happened? Let's just shut down. Or is there some sort of response to spirits and that sort of stimuli mm. that... Jamie's reaction is basically to shut down. I don't I don't really know. Like are the are the spirits doing it to Jamie or is Jamie doing it to herself? Well, we've heard a lot of stories where people get so scared that they fall asleep. It's just like a it's almost like protect our brain protecting us. Right. But then if it's the spirit actually just kind of sprinkling some magic sleep dust over you being like shh shh Oh, That's your video disappeared. Oh, I can still see myself. Uh, That's freaky. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Jamie, look at what you did to look us. Look what you did. <laughs> um, I want to know Jamie's sister's experiences because yeah. it's funny how Jamie's like, oh, Trinity's the real haunted one. But Jamie, you just sent us a whole entire email with ghost stories. And I just really appreciate military ghost stories because it's people who've signed up to do a terrifying job and have to put themselves in situations that are so high risk for your own safety. And it's it seems like the scariest thing that you could possibly do in the world. And the fact that they're daring each other to go down the stairs because there might be like a black mist or you might encounter a spirit or see someone and that's what scares them. I love this. I love this so much. Oh, you're back. Oh, now I'm back. Okay. I put good vibes into the world. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now I am curious to look up a lot of the things that Jamie sent us and also read a lot more about the yokai. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like we could do a a second part to the yokai and you and I pick different types of yokai to talk about. Oh, we definitely should. Because there's, Sabrina, there's seriously so many. Like, even if you and I had to each pick five, the chances that you and I would pick the same of the five is probably so, so small. I know that Encounters episodes are where we read our listener stories, but what if we did one episode that's like a special where we read yokai stories? Well, maybe they can be listener stories about yokai. Oh, that's a good so, idea. So call to action. Everyone email us. Because we got plans. We got so many ideas. Let's see what comes to fruition. Ideas, plans, all the things. Um, We love you all. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for another episode of Two Girls, One Ghost. We, yes, like Corinne said, please email us your ghost stories, cryptids, aliens, honestly, anything. If you discovered a secret about your family, if you also hit your nose. We're getting into family drama now. (laughs) (laughs) Drama and trauma. That's the spinoff that I will create. (laughs) So good. 
And if you've hit your nose with your trunk of your car, please let me know. I feel like I feel very supported. Two things. I feel like I've been doing a lot of call to actions and like, hey, am I alone on this podcast recently? But I've felt so comforted to know that I'm not the only one whose shoelaces come untied and has to double knot and still Mm -hmm. they come untied. So if anyone else has uh, wounded themselves with the trunk of a car, please let me know. I haven't, but I did. I had that same wound that you have right now from a laundry basket one time because I held the laundry basket over my head. Like I put it in my head and was just seeing out the holes and was holding my laundry goodies that way. And it scraped me. I was imagining you meant like on top of your head, but you were truly like, no, I was fully in it because I was trying to not take more than one trip. This was freshman year of college. Okay. Yeah, I had to journey out to that laundry center. It was so yeah, far. Yeah, lug them across campus, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. Fair. So you're not alone in the the type of wound. The wound. Maybe how you got it, but I would argue maybe mine is more <laughs> stupid. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Accidents happen. Yes. Uh, and if a ghost has come near you, please email us at twogirlsonecoastpodcast at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify, subscribe wherever you listen, do all the things for us, for your favorite podcasts out there. And also word of mouth is so huge. So we always joke that this is a a pyramid scheme. Mm -hmm. If you want to get sucked into the two worlds, one ghost triangle, you can easily be promoted in the pyramid scheme by having two more people listen, telling (laughs) more people about us. What you get, I don't know. That's up to Sven and all the other spirits out there haunting you. Promotions are available for everyone. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like with a job. We're still hoping to be promoted ourselves. Yeah, it's performance-based. So just keep chugging along. It's sales, basically. Um, but it's also a little bit feelings-based. Yeah. And we like all of you so much. Yeah. <laughs> we love you all. Everyone gets a promotion. Everyone can be at the top of the triangle. Mm-hmm. It's actually a straight line, just like Earth. <laughs> I'm a flat earther now. I think it's Portugal. Or, yeah, I think. Where they do this, like, human structure, and they try to see how tall they can do people standing on top of each other's shoulders. It just seems so dangerous. It I is. I need to look this up. There's, like, full-on competitions. Oh, gosh. Mm, Scary. Well, we're not going to do that version, but we'll do the Hands Across America version. Well, it's a kind of like a metaphorical on top of each other's shoulder straight line. How about we, intrusive thought, I was going to say human centipede it and just all (laughs) do it across the earth. (laughs) I was like, I know an easy formation. I think your hands across America is a better, <laughs> better option. It is. Okay. Let's all just hold hands. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah. We love you all. Thank you so much to Christina for editing our podcast. We just got a text as we were recording this that Christina's super down to do the blooper reel. So awesome. Um, we'll, Stay tuned. I'm sure she'll have plenty of material for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. All righty. Love you all. We will see you on, on the. Other Other side. side.